Are you ready? It's time. For the Beast Cast. Should we get a new intro? Is that something we should think about doing? Is getting a new intro in the new year? Yeah. Yeah. 2024 brand new intro. I think that would be kind of interesting. I mean, we've done the same intro for the past five months, but um, welcome to the BeastCast, episode 35. I didn't really want to uh, put a number on this episode, but I kind of got to because, um, you know, we're just going down the path. So we're recording this at the end of 2023, but it won't drop until the new year. So um, let's just pretend like this one came out on New Year's Day. So happy New Year's um, and happy going back to work and going back to school after this. It's going to be absolutely immaculate, I suppose uh yeah so today we have a very special episode so our episode is going to be a little shorter today um and by a little shorter i mean probably a lot because it doesn't take that long to go through our list so me and raven decided for this episode that each of us will essentially do like our little own segment and um we're going to be ranking our top 10 movies now this is in order from 10 to 1 so most of the most of these movies probably weren't bad if they if they were most of them were probably immaculate if they're in our top 10 so just because a movie's at the end of a list doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad movie we need to get that straight i should probably turn my mic up a little bit just because i'm going to be going first but yeah so uh, just because a movie is on one of our lists uh lower on the list doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad movie and also i also have like two honorable mentions that i didn't put on the list but i thought would at least want to be acknowledged um, this uh, holiday New Year's season as we end the year off with a banger episode. So I'm going to project that I'm probably going to take about 25 to 30 minutes. So this episode probably will be about an hour-ish, hour and 10 minutes maybe at most. So uh, if you guys are new here, make sure to subscribe, like, uh, download the show, follow the show on Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. And, um, you know, give us a good five-star rating, you know, give us, make sure you, uh, make sure you do that because if you don't, we're going to find you. And 2024, my new year's resolution is I will find everybody who is not liking this show and I will do some very naughty, bad things to them. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, so go ahead and like the show up and get it going. Raven, how was your day before we start? It's, it's great. Nice and good. Okay, perfect. It is. There was actually a little bit of snow yesterday, so it was perfect. Okay, so um, I will start with my top 10. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the uh, Watch Mojo style, where the honorable mentions are going to come after number two. So it doesn't mean that they actually are like above number two, but that's just where I'm going to put it, because, you know, you got to watch till the end of the video. <laughs> so welcome to Wojo Wojo's. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome to Mojo's top 10. Um, today we're going to be... Um, ranking the top 10 movies of 2023 so uh at number 10 so this is i'm going backwards of course because um if i started at the beginning that'd be lame as hell uh so at number 10 and this movie is kind of surprised me a little bit because of the fact that it wasn't in theaters my number 10 movie is gonna have to be 
The Killer. Now, The Killer was an interesting choice because I actually, this was one of the movies on this list that I didn't really like as much. However, I will say this. I really liked the idea of it, and I thought it was very well shot. Now, I don't like the overall story of it. I thought it was a little bland as a story, but the killings, the ways he kills, the the things he uses, and kind of like that whole that whole basically character that he plays is absolutely stunning. I absolutely love that to death. Um, and so that actually brought it into my top 10. Uh, I don't even know who plays the killer again. Do you remember who plays, uh, the killer? Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, there you go. So he does a phenomenal job and I actually, he got nominated for, uh, best, uh, lead role, role, like male lead role at the Golden Globes. And I hope he wins. Um, he probably won't, you know, we know who it's going to go to, but, um, you know, I would be. I would just be I would not be mad if he won that award because he does such a well he does such a well crafted job at turning that character like the character was obviously like not the best written character but it honestly just it just flows so well like he just took it into his own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he did a good job. No, absolutely. And um that movie honestly I I I'm sure it's not probably on Raven's list but um you know that that movie just it was just fun, and and it wasn't even in theaters. I didn't even see it in theaters. I saw it on Netflix, and because it only came out on Netflix, and it was honestly just it was just a nice like two hours. It was a little slow at the beginning. I didn't like that first Patrick Bateman opening monologue bullshit. But other than that, that movie was was perfectly w- well done. Um, he he just absolutely carries that movie so hard. So that is my number ten spot. If you don't agree, comment in the yeah go to, go to the comments and fucking bitch us out because I'd be funny as hell. Um, we appreciate that. We appreciate every single person who comments, especially if you comment negative stuff because it makes us um, hate ourselves more. All right, moving on to number nine. This is going to be a shocker. This is going to be a bigger shocker than the killer. Yeah, I know. I know. I can't believe that. Plane. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> I remember that one. Dude, at the beginning of the year, this movie dropped January 7th, and it somehow held up in the top 10. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Now, don't get me wrong. Plane kind of comes under uh, uh, some of the some of the same criticisms I had for the killer. Although, I when I watch Plane, it kind of reminds me of those late '80s, early '90s, like Die Hard and like action films like that, where they're just it's it's quirky but also serious in a way. And I love that. And Plane was honestly such a cool concept that they actually announced that they were making a sequel to it. And I honestly hope the sequel does just as good, if not better than the original, because I would love to see some sort of like diehard trilogy come out of this because it is absolutely a a hilariously like, it's not even hilarious in the fact that like it's a comedy movie, but like just the way things are done and how, how stuff was, was portrayed. It was just like that quirky, you know, cool, you know, action film. And, and honestly, the thing about the movie, I and a lot of people might disagree with me, its budget was extremely tiny. And they still pulled off and made this immaculate movie. And actually, I think they made like $200 million almost in the or $130 million or something like that, $140 million in the box office off of like a $25 million budget. And that's uh, Gerard Butler, too, uh, in, in playing as well. And who plays the black guy? I, I think it's... um. It's that guy who plays Luke Cage. Yeah, he played an excellent job. And um, I just kind of liked the movie all around. I just thought it was, 
I just thought it was amazing. And and honestly, I didn't want to put it any higher because it wasn't like a top five or movie like that. But I just figured it needed to, it deserved to be in here because of how crafty and how enjoyable that movie was. Um, I, and you'll notice a trend. I like a lot of action movies, but this one, honestly, I'm going to be straight honest with you. This might be my second favorite action movie of of the year entirely. And that's counting Mission Impossible and that's counting all those other movies. Um, so, uh, and, and the, I guess, yeah, there was so many action movies this year. There was so many. Okay, so that was my number nine. Uh, it was, yeah, that's my number nine. Raven, what do you think of my uh, number nine spot there? Uh, that was a good choice. I was actually looking at that one. Yeah. Yes. I love that. All right, number eight. This is also uh, less of a shocker, but I, I'm a little bit of a nerd, and I really like uh, Chris Pine. Uh, number eight is got to be Dungeons and Dragons. Um, now this movie, when I first watched it, um, I didn't know how I felt about it. I thought it was. I was like, you know what? This is a fun little film. You know, take your kids to go see this film a little bit. Like not kids, but maybe go take your ten year old or eleven year old to go see this movie. And you know, even for teenagers and adults, it's actually a hilarious movie to watch too. But Dungeons and Dragons really was um something something like really special in a way because it kind of gave me that same vibe as like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like you get together this band of dimwits and 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 you just you you pull through and defeat some immaculate, you know, person and and it, it I just love the style of it and I would love to, and the thing the reason why I really love this movie is not only did they actually go all out on on Dungeons and Dragons here like getting a good budget getting good actors but also because since since they made it easier for uh people like normies to understand it really opens up the gate to not only open up Dungeons and Dragons to becoming like a, a normie thing but also it it allows more budgeting and more resources being poured into actually seeing some more good Dungeons and Dragons films now good yeah. if if they do there's already apparently announced another sequel for this movie which is going to be apparently um pretty good is what i've 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 heard is they're getting a they're they're stacking the cast right now they're gonna get a bunch of good actors uh on top of the good actors they already had they had the the lady from uh uh fast and furious they had chris pine um they had the one chick god what was her name i'm gonna look this up now but yeah the cast was already the the cast was already amazing like uh they had yeah, Daisy, Daisy, Daisy. I think I think you say her last name is Head or Heed. She played the villain, and she did a really good mm-hmm. job. I yeah, I don't know. This movie just like this movie is just something else to me. It was just something like a little special. I was like, you know what, this movie because like it 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 brings out something that we haven't really like we've seen Dungeons and Dragons movies before, but like I've never seen it actually done this way, and so. I kind of just really liked it. And also, you know, it's just a fun film. Like, you can go watch this movie right now. It's like two hours long. And you go watch it and you're like, huh, you know what? Even if I didn't really like the plot, I still think this is a fucking hilarious movie. And, you know, you just have fun with it. It Apparently, it's Rotten Tomatoes is insane. Like, it's got like a 91% across the board on Rotten Tomatoes, which is fucking crazy. Um, So, yeah. So, yeah, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves was my uh, number eight movie. All right, moving on to number seven. This is no shocker that this was going to be on the list somewhere, but I have to give this to Barbie. 
Yes, I know. <laughs> I I wanted I wanted it on my list, and I didn't want it high because there was some movies that were definitely better than Barbie. But I wanted it high enough that it just made sense to be on here. And Barbie absolutely deserves to be in a top ten list. Most people's top ten list might have this movie. Most might not. I don't really know. the The overall census was people enjoyed Barbie because it has a little bit of it has a little bit for everybody. Barbie does. And that's what I thought was interesting. You can you can look at it from the perspective of it being a feminist movie. You can look at it as a perspective of being, you know, like some fun, quirky Barbie movie. You can look at it at the being the perspective of, oh, Michael Sarah's in this movie. Yay, you know, type of shit like that. I love, let me just say this. The male roles in Barbie were just as good as the female roles. Margot Robbie, first off, I always thought would play a good Barbie. She just is like the Barbie. She just has got that figure. She's got like Barbie's figure, you know? So like, it. You, it just made so much sense to me, like seeing her. Um, I've always thought that uh, when seeing her and I, Ryan Gosling and Michael Sarah and you know all the guys who plays the Kens and the uh, whatever Michael Sarah's character's name is. I he's got just some random name that's not Ken, but it's all like it all just is so fun. Like I just I just I I love seeing it. I saw it in I saw it in the theaters, um, in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, when I was going on a trip and. It was just immaculate, you know, uh, like to see it in, on such a big screen like that, um, because I, did I see that in IMAX too? I think, I, no, no, I didn't get to see that in IMAX because uh, the other movie was in IMAX, Oppenheimer. So um, I didn't see it in IMAX, but it still was just a fun movie to, to watch. And, you know, I was, I, it was the whole thing of the Barbenheimer really did it for me too yeah was like going all day to the movie theater because they were like oh yeah we're gonna play barbie at nine in the morning and it's gonna get done at noon and then uh oppenheimer is gonna start at one and then you know that's your whole day pretty much and i was like hell yeah this is perfect and so i did that and it was just yeah it was just it was just fun and i think that really honestly i'm gonna be honest i think barbie got carried by barbieheimer barbenheimer but also it would have been a big movie regardless but also Putting it on that date also went and made all those other people go see the movie. And I think that's why Barbie really blew up is because you had all those people that normally wouldn't go see that movie end up seeing it, you know, because they're like, oh, the Barbenheimer. Ha, ha, ha. So, yeah, but there was that. But I, I, I got to give it to this movie. I loved it. And I thought it was funny. And I love the art style. I think it's freaking hilarious. Uh, everybody in this movie does a great job. So I got to give it the number seven spot. Coming in at number six, this might be a little bit of a surprise because a lot of people might have forgot about this movie, but it's Guy Ritchie's Covenant. Oh, I'm so happy you have that one on your list. The Covenant was absolutely amazing. Now, the thing about The Covenant that I really liked um, was, first off, Jake Gyllenhaal, finally seeing him in another role since Mysterio that I actually really liked. Um, he was in that Ambulance movie. I didn't like that movie, but, um, you know... It wasn't like a big movie, which really surprised me because it's kind of sad that this movie wasn't as big. A lot of people liked this movie. Pretty much everybody that saw this movie said they liked it. Um, and for most people I I heard said they liked it, but their box office was so low, and it was honestly so sad. And that's kind of why I I wanted to, uh, I want I wanted to put this movie on here. I enjoyed this movie so much. I love this movie. If you guys want to see some gritty, nitty military movie about, you know, uh, it's, it's like a band of brothers type of thing where, you know, like I'm not going to leave because I know what's going on and I want to, you know, I don't want to spoil the movie, but 
essentially yeah so it's like it takes place during the afghanistan war and it's not like one of those other war movies it kind of gives me you know do you remember the american sniper it kind of gives me vibes yeah, like I that do. in a way um yeah with bradley cooper i think he played in that um yeah he did and it gives me vibes like that and honestly i love these war films like black hawk down was another one that was a really early 2000s film and i love these uh, Afghanistan movies, because not only does it show the awareness of, of war and how bad it is because of the way they, they portray it, but also you get to see kind of like a perspective of Hollywood that you don't always get to see that often, because a lot of times war films are never like how they really seem to be. Like a lot of war films are meant to be funny. A lot of war films are meant to be stupid. You know, they're usually comedies like Tropic Thunder or Tropical Thunder, you know, stuff like that stupid mm -hmm. stuff. You never you like every so often you get these you get these movies like The Covenant and um black hawk down and american sniper where they're award they could be award-winning movies um and the hurt locker Ooh, yes but the covenant didn't blow up like um american sniper did and black hawk down did which means i think that sadly the reign of these movies coming out every so often might go away because um it seems like it's not really in demand uh but i also want to point out that uh homelander's in this movie so it's really fun uh it but the cast was amazing i love the cast and the story itself is good and it seems like a long movie it's not it's not a long movie at all so if you guys have the time to watch this movie you could probably find this on on prime i'm sure or some somewhere if you guys have the time go watch this movie i'm telling you this movie deserves to 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 be you know watched you know this is it was just such a it was such a good movie, and I'm so glad that I got to see this movie because my theater wasn't even going to play it, but then they decided to play it, and I'm so glad they did because it was it was it made my day. Honestly, I was like, wow, I'm so glad I got to see a movie like this because you don't get to see it. Every, you only get to see like a, a gritty war movie like this every so often, like like full war, like and 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 it kind of portrays you know, and I think that's kind of the thing is it kind of portrays the United States as like the bad guys a little bit in a way. You know, like, yeah, the American wants to help them, but like he's kind of forced to do it without the help of the Americans because, you know, they refuse to cooperate. So it's kind of like it. Yeah, it, it, it I think that's kind of a lot of the. Yeah, I think that's kind of a lot of the reasons because uh, that it's uh, such a low box office. But I love this movie. OK, speaking of Bradley Cooper coming in at number five is Maestro. I watched this movie recently. Um, It came out very recently. It came out, I believe, right before Christmas. Yeah, that's. I never even right. heard of it. So it was a Netflix movie, and I just want to say this right now. For all the people, there was a lot. There was a little bit of controversy about Maestro because it's about um, uh, I think his name's Leonard Bernstein, or Bern or Bernstein, or something like that. Yeah, it's Leonard Bernstein, and he is a he. He was born in the early 1900s and he was a maestro like a like a you know like the guy who like uh you know like conducts the like band you know oh yeah yeah so and he was it, it, he's a real guy and there was a lot of controversy because he was kind of like one of the first openly like bisexual not really like he never was bisexual it was more like he just you know had sex and loved whoever it didn't matter he didn't really care about gender kind of thing and so there was a lot of controversy about him as a person when he was alive until he died. Um, and it's kind of like a story of his life and how, like, he got to the position that he was in, how he became, like, one of the greatest uh, uh, maestros of all time. And 
I love this movie because it, first off, it, I love when we get a good adaptation of the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, and it hits all the decades because he lived through them all. And you really get to see the, 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 the work that was done to make it look way more realistic. They got the actual black and white filters correct for the 1930s, which a lot of movie makers don't do. A lot of filmmakers don't do that. Um, and they got, they got a lot of the filters, right. They got a lot of the scenery, right. It, it really just gives you that vibe of being in the time period. And that was what I really liked about it. Also, Bradley Cooper did a phenomenal job as the lead role. I am talking, this was amazing. Like I would love, like there is, so the, 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 he wasn't even nominated for best lead role because it was too late. Um, but I, I would have gave it to him. Honestly, this, this was amazing. And you know, Bradley Cooper always has good films, but I just really like this one because of how accurate it actually was. Like he put the time and effort to learn actually how, you know, he conducted, like how, how he, how he was as a conductor and how he conducted the bands and the orchestras. And, and it kind of reminded me of Whiplash. You remember with JK Simmons? Um, I watched that recently too, but, but, uh, how Simmons actually wanted to actually learn how to conduct properly. So he didn't just look like an idiot. Bradley Cooper did the same thing and it makes it look so much more realistic and makes it make more sense. And I love that. And the, the role was just phenomenal. And it was just, the whole movie itself was great. Um, it's, it's, it's a kind of a sad love story about him and his wife, um, and all their kids and his wife. Well, I mean, I, I can't really spoil, I'm going to spoil it because it's a real event. I mean, you can look it up. Um, his wife had cancer and this was during the time when cancer was hard to treat, you know, in the late seventies. And so it just all became like a big can of worms and it's just kind of, it's a sad, but also very, you know, wholesome and an amazingly well shot movie. And that's why it's in my top five. Um, it just has so many good things. And I honestly, I'm pissed that Netflix did this with two movies. They did this with the killer and they did this with maestro. They didn't release them in theaters. I get you want people to go to Netflix, but it's been shown that if you drop movies in the theater and on, on, on streaming, people will go to the theaters and watch them, you know, and this was a movie that you would have wanted to see in a theater. Like it works in your little home theater, your, uh, on your, on your phone or on your TV, but it would have just been so much better if Netflix would have Netflix. This is the one thing for your new year's resolution, Netflix. If you want something, how about your uh your exclusive movies you actually release them in theaters too because it is just it's nice seeing them on netflix but i and they're doing such a good job with them like netflix usually has decent originals but i'm not i want to watch a lot of these movies in theaters and i'm not getting that opportunity because netflix won't even consider doing it like how hbo does like how you know how hbo max does it where like you know with the batman with dc where they where warner brothers made the movie they dropped it and then they're like okay in like a month, we're going to drop it on max. Are you ready? And everybody's like, yeah! and that was perfect. It worked. Or hell, you can <laughs> even do it side by side. It works. So that's my number five movie. Netflix, get your shit together. Um, yeah, Netflix. In- oh, don't make good movies and not release them in theaters. Exactly. Because you're, you're missing the op. Okay. This is a different rant. Um, coming in at number four, this is going to be a shock is John wick chapter four. Now, <laughs> I love this movie and I don't care what anybody says. It's like that scene from the Joker. I'm tired of pretending I don't like this movie. Okay. I'm tired of pretending that yes, this movie has a lot of flaws, but God damn it. 
if I'll tell you one thing about John Wick, they always do something to innovate the damn genre. And uh-huh. that scene, there's one scene in particular, and you know exactly what I'm about to talk about. It's that uh-huh. overhead video game solid snake fucking fire breath shotgun scene inside the house. That scene alone, where you damn near looks like you're playing an overhead video game, was so well done that it honestly boosted my opinion of this movie just by itself. Now, the whole movie itself, I love Keanu Reeves. I love John Wick. And I it had a great cast, and, you know, I loved seeing it all play out. The story was a little mid, you know, and but for the most part, I liked pretty much everything about this movie. There's not really anything about this movie that I look at and I go, I don't want to rewatch this. There, the thing about a movie that I also look at, too, is rewatchability. And John Wick has so much rewatchability. Every single movie does. Because you're always having something to look forward to. And yeah, Keanu Reeves, you know, you can argue, oh yeah, you know, he's kind of, a, he's getting, he's almost damn near past his prime, you know, the John Wick, you know, the acting wasn't quite there, but you know, it doesn't really matter about the acting if you can act, you don't need to act with your face and your voice if you can act with your body, and Keanu Reeves has always been like that, that guy is such, so, he's such an amazing stunt artist, like, he's so good at, at, at making things look real, and making hits look real, and making fights look real, and that's just kind of his whole thing. And I love that. And I don't care what anybody says. And that's why this movie's in my top four. I just, I love to rewatch this movie. I even bought a steelbook of this movie because it was so fucking fun. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that movie. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, enough said, motherfuckers. Enough said. Coming in at number three, I have, and this is going to really piss some people off because, you know, the top three is always meant to be, you know, like your drum roll, you know, like, oh, it's going to be big. It's a haunting in Venice. now. The problem is, I love Hercule Poirot, and I love Agatha Christie's novels, and that's basically all she wrote. She started writing from the time she could write until the time she died. Literally, until the time she died, she was writing. She was writing books. And this is one of her uh, lesser-known classic Hercule Poirot stories, one of her ones in her later life when she was older. It, it's Halloween Party is the novel. Um, I actually own a copy of this novel, little, and, and they're, they're just fun. And Hercule Poirot is one of my favorite characters of all time in all of not only cinema, but also in, you know, novel history. Like, there, there, is, there is no character that comes quite close to him. He's like Sherlock Holmes, but, like, just, to me, better. Like, he's just, like, he, he everything, like, the problem with Sherlock Holmes is, oh, I'm the smartest man alive, I'm so good at everything, you know, like, like, it's almost like a game to him. But Hercule Poirot, you know, he's just a great detective. That's all he's good at, is just being a great detective. And he uses real logic in real ways and not just some, like, well, going by this judging of conclusion by the way his butt marks sat on this, you know, like, stupid bullshit like that, like they do in in uh fucking all that bullshit. I I just love this movie so much. Um And it, it kind of brought in a, a, a specter of Hercule Poirot's story that you never really get to see. And that's how, like, there's sometimes there's things you can't explain. And I love that. And it was also just a good Halloween movie. I mean, regardless, it was a nice little, you know, scary, boo, spooky. But then also still having that detective, you know, uh, style to it. And it was great. Um, also, there's a class at Lion College um, where it's it's murder mystery. It's detective literature. Um, if any of you guys are listening who are at Lion College, Take that class because there will probably be a few in here of Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot novels. Um, it you'll love it. So yeah, 
I love this, and it's in my top three. It was one of my favorite films. It just came out a good time, too. It was a good time in my life, too, and it just made everything better. All right, coming in at number two, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Ooh. Now, before anybody says anything, yes, I understand that the movie was not fully complete because there's two parts. It's a two-parter movie, okay? But with that being said, I still put Infinity War in my top ten in 2018. I didn't say, well, let's wait until Endgame comes out to put it in my 2018 top 10. No. I knew that movie was great. And this movie was great. Now, I loved, first off, the voice acting was amazing. I loved the voice acting from everybody in this movie. Everybody did a great job. I don't care what anybody says. Um, the, regardless of the bullshit controversies, the movie looked beautiful. And the, and the, the um, people, the artists who had to draw and do all these scenes, Props to them because they have been working under the worst time constraints ever. They have been literally being worked like slaves right now to get these two films out. And I just wanted to give them that shout out uh, by putting this movie so high. Because this movie looks phenomenal and I love this art style. And there's been so many people that have tried to mimic this art style and just could not. And it's so hard to mimic. But I love that comic book to cinema to animated style. It just works so well in... It, it just everything how quirky they made like how how they make the spider-verse is just amazing too there's just nothing wrong with this film in my eyes i just loved everything about it now i will say when the second movie comes out next year which apparently it's still going to come out in march i don't know how that's possible considering they were on strike for fucking five months but with that being said okay i swear they are going to release this in march and when these two movies come together and somebody does one of those online edits where they cut out all the end credits and just stitch it together. It will be one of the best movies you will ever see. These two movies combined. I would, I could sit and probably rewatch it a million times. It'd be like watching like a Roald Dahl movie, like, like Roald Dahl's books and movies. Like I could just sit there and rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it and always be entertained. And that's I knew how it was going to make your list. And, and, and I just, I love this movie. I don't care. Uh, and it, and it, it might be a little controversial to put it so high, but also considering that it was one of the biggest box office achievements, and it also dropped at the same time that the Super Mario Bros. movie was sweeping the fucking, like, box offices and still managed to whip out, like, $600 million in, in the box office was insane to me. So I got to give it props for that. Okay. Honorable mentions. Um, Dream Scenario. I didn't watch Dream Scenario. That's why it's not on my list. Um, I didn't get the chance to yet. And I've been really busy, and by the time I could get a version of, uh, version, as in um, a legal copy, yep, totally legal copy, um, it was too late. Um, I've been too busy. So, it's an honorable mention because I'm sure it is a great film, and it has just been on my radar for so long that it just needs to be said. Another one that needs to be said is The Creator. I actually like this movie. There, we, we, we talked about this movie already so much on um the beast cast that if you watch a beast cast episode we did a whole episode on the creator so if you want to know my opinions on it and why it's where it is right now in the honorable mentions that's why it was just a cinematic masterpiece um it, it mm -hmm. what well, visually the for what they did with the budget um saw x i like this movie because it surprised me it was actually a good thrasher horror movie with a good twist like the classic saw movies that's why it's in the honorable mentions the super mario bros movie because Nintendo thought this movie was going to be ass, and then it swept the box offices so badly that Nintendo actually said, oh, well, you know, um, 
So yeah, I guess we can make another one, I suppose. We can make more uh we can make more Nintendo movies. So now, because the Super Mario Bros. movie did so good, now they're gonna make a Legend of the Zelda movie. And they're gonna make all these other movies that we've been wanting people wanting Nintendo to license out to to like great filmmakers and directors to to, to make. And then finally is Guardians of the Galaxy. I was really trying to stay away from Marvel, although I have Spider-Man on here. I was that's technically Sony. I was trying to really stay away from Marvel um on here, but I really like this movie. It just didn't really quite fit my top 10. Um and James Gunn also is a douchebag. So even though he directed a great film, he's still a douche. Um yeah. So, but Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was a very good movie and it deserves to at least be shouted out. By the way, every single movie that I've mentioned, go watch it. Trust me, you will not regret watching it. All right, drum roll please. All right, coming in at number one is Oppenheimer. I know, I know, I'm going to be that guy. This movie for me was just, first off, I, I actually, I, I love World War II. I, I love that time period. I love how it looks. I love the stories. I love, I, I shouldn't say I love the war because that's a little fucked up. But I love like that wartime, like seeing how everything functioned. And I also love seeing the race to create the atomic bomb. That was just so fun to me. How Christopher Nolan can take a movie that should be boring and make me sit there on the edge of my seat for three hours. Like, that's just not possible. Cillian Murphy did an absolutely stunning job as Oppenheimer. And I have always been a fan of, of like that nuclear fusion and fission um, side of World War II with all the bombs and stuff like that. Like, I always thought it was just so crazy how we did it so fast. And this shows you how we did it so fast. Um, how they literally took people away from their families or took their whole families and put them out here to try and bullet this out, to try and beat the Germans to creating a nuclear bomb. On top of that, I also saw this at one of the weirdest times of my life. I saw this movie in IMAX. It was my first IMAX movie. On top of that, on top of that, I was also in the middle of a busted road trip. Our road trip got screwed up. Everything was going down the drain and I just needed to relax. And I went and saw this movie on the Barbenheimer, not on the 21st, sadly, but I went and saw both the movies the day after the 21st and Oppenheimer. Absolutely. It was just such a good escape from reality to see this come to life and to see it finally be done and how Christopher Nolan, it just shows how, how he can pretty much direct anything. And I will like it. He, he just knows how to direct films and I hope he wins a decent, it's, it's nominated for a bunch of awards and I hope this movie wins a decent amount of the awards. It deserves it, honestly. It was a great movie. The uh, the only thing was the atomic bomb was a little underwhelming, but it still looked they amazing. They should have just used the real footage. Yeah. Honestly, they should have... Well, well, I always thought that like they could have took the real footage and not visual effects it, but, you know, modernized it by, like, re-kind of recreating each, you know, part of it, um, mm-hmm. like, on, on a screen. But then that would have been, oh, you know, we're using digital and... Uh, but, you know, Christopher Nolan, he thinks he needs to do everything his way. So, honestly, it it was it still looked good. It just was a little underwhelming, but it still looked great. And also, I want to say that this was the first movie that the actor that uh, of Roderick from Diary, Diary of a Wimpy Kid played in. His first movie since um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, so, Roderick uh, actually accidentally helped create the nuclear bomb. So, that was amazing. Um, shout out to Ro- Roderick. Um, Roderick Rules. Yeah. Okay, so that was my number one. Christopher Nolan, you did amazing. Thank you for making such a great film. So that is my list. So to go in order one last time, I have The Killer, I have Plane, I have Dungeons and Dragons, I have Barbie, 
I have The Covenant, I have Maestro, John Wick Chapter 4, A Haunting in Venice, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and Oppenheimer as my top 10 list. So, let me know what you think of your li- uh, of my list in the comments or wherever. Um, or we also have a Discord. You can join our Discord and have a great discussion with us there. That would be interesting. So, if you liked my list, thank you. If you didn't like my list, go fuck yourself. Raven. Exactly. We're not even going to take opinion, not yours. Exactly. And we're not even going to take a break because I figured we're on a roll. So, Raven, I'm going to the the floor is yours. I now I I adjourn. I I can I yield. I yield the floor to Raven. Go ahead. All right. All right. So for me, uh just a a quick mention cuz I know I'll probably get yelled at. Uh John Wick Chapter 4 is not on my list because I knew you were going to have it high on yours. So like just think of it as like that floating angel that's just right there, you know? Okay. Duh. It's it, it will be it doesn't need to take up a spot from other movies because it is great. <laughs> yeah, that's, I agree. Yeah. So my number 10, uh, because I love Nicolas Cage, is Renfield. Oh, dude. Uh, I, I, I was gonna put this on my list, but I was like, I bet Raven's gonna put this on his list. I was oh, yeah. looking so hard to put this on my list, but I decided not to. I love Dracula. I love the I love this movie simply because not just because not only because Nicolas Cage does a great job and because the story is amazing, but there was this vibe to the movie, this kind of really funny 2005 campy vibe that the movie has that I kind of miss in movies, in modern day movies. Like when I, I was watching this and I, I had a blast the whole time. I, it felt like I was back maybe 12 years old watching some random brand new movie that made it to the TV nighttime slot. And it it was just, to me, it was good campy fun. And it showed that, you know, a funny Dracula story can be told. And I kind of want more of Nicolas Cage as Dracula. I want them to expand on this. No, absolutely. I, I knew that one of us was going to have this in the list. And I figured if I mentioned dream scenario, you were going to at least put dream scenario on your list and you were going to put Renfield on your list. I loved Renfield because I love Dracula. I love Bram Stoker's Dracula, the original. Um, and Nicolas Cage is amazing. We need a Nick Cage Dracula now, please. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. So that's your number 10, huh? Renfield. Wow. That's amazing. You know, I love that. I love that pick. Now, number nine was actually one of your honorable mentions. I saw this movie five times. Uh, the super Mario bros movie. Yep. Okay. I thought this movie was actually going to be crap. I'm sorry. I did. I thought it was true. I thought it was going to be trash. I watched it and I was I, I was like that can't I I hit the replay button. I finished watching it and the first thing I did was I started the movie over from the beginning and I grabbed more popcorn. There was just something about how Donkey Kong and Mario when they finally start kicking butt together just sold it for me and unironically gave chills. And I love the opening sequence with Mario and Luigi and how they so effortlessly, effort, okay, screw it. Oh my God, dude, even I'm messing it up because you're fucking messing it up. (laughs) It's contagious. How they just 
effort uh, just screw it <laughs> <laughs> seamlessly here we go there's a better word how seamlessly they went from your traditional movie look to suddenly that side scroller where they're they're going on objects and stuff it it was a beautiful beautiful like honor of their games and just a cool world that were i hope they continue it and i hope they make better sequels no dude and that was the thing is Nintendo was like, yeah, we know this movie's going to flop. We shouldn't have gave it to DreamWorks, you know, or Illumination, sorry. We shouldn't have gave it a, to Illumination. You know, this is all bad. And Doug Bowser and all the president of Nintendo was shitting on it. And then it fucking went off. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we'll make more movies. Don't worry. Like, okay, mm-hmm. thanks, Nintendo. The most surprising scene in the movie was when they were on the Rainbow Bridge and that dude turned into the blue shell. Oh, Awesome. I, I I felt like an idiot because like I played Mario Kart. I'm like, how did I not notice a spiky blue shell helmet? Dude. I should have known that this was gonna happen in the movie. Like when it started to happen, I was like, this is amazing. No, that yeah, that, I felt that, like that, a nerd. that was fucking ah, uh, dude. I was I I was just on like, dude. I was nerding out the whole movie because I love Mario. It was such a good movie. Now, that's for that number eight. Is another one of your honorable mentions because you know it hit home for me a little bit in a weird way. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three uh, is actually on my list because I actually cried during it, and I I didn't watch a trailer for the movie aside from I think the very first reveal that they did, and when I was just sitting in the theater and that opening thing happens where you know little baby raccoon. It, you know, Rocket is a baby, and I realized what stupid, sick movie this is going to be. This real fucked up movie. Like my heart from the very beginning, I felt like I was just watching a tragedy. And s- sadly, I love tragedies, which is why I kind of love the Joker movie. And to me, I I felt like this was a good heartfelt way to end it. Even though I'm, you know, it's kind of like a little butthurt about it because I wanted them to continue. But that's it. I thought it was a good send-off. I, I, I think it was a great send-off movie, too. Um, Ra- Rocket Raccoon, you know, finally being like, you know, finding out all of his origin and all that stuff was just so good. I mm-hmm. Agree. I agree. Now, number seven. This one, this one's gonna probably get me some flack. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Ooh. Whoa! Okay. I love this movie. I have all... Of the previous movies, not Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but the the first three, on their original VHS tapes that they released on, uh, because my mom had them. And I'm one of those idiots that love Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, because why not? And I, I actually found that this movie was better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I guess doesn't take a lot in some people's eyes. But I, my mom, who's a huge fan a huge fan. I bought the dial of destiny when it was available on voodoo. I bought it digitally. I bought a digital copy and I played it for her. I was like, here you go. Brand new Indiana Jones. Didn't tell her anything about it. She's never even seen a trailer. She watched it. And as a lifelong child fan, she loved the whole movie and said, it felt like a classic Indiana Jones adventure. And that it was exactly what she would have wanted from a new movie. And that in her eyes, it didn't ruin the character like idiots were boasting about on their random propaganda YouTube channels. 
and and that's, that's that's what I like to call them. And and there wasn't this overt in your face feminism that again the grifters on YouTube were trying to paint it as. I I felt that it was any of those things, honestly. Even though we went we went and saw it together, if the, if any of that was happening, I probably would have walked out of the movie. I felt enamored on everything I was seeing, despite the shoddy CGI with the train scene in the beginning of the movie. That could have used a little bit more work. I, this was everything I would have hoped it to. And it blew, I didn't even expect it to blow me away with the the little thing that happens on the end when they're on the plane. And I'm not spoiling it for people. When they're on the plane and they're doing the final climax of the movie, that to me sold it as being on the top 10 because it, it fulfilled everything that you need for Indiana Jones. And to me, that made it awesome. That, ending was probably the best ending of an indiana jones movie i think in my opinion and that's controversial Mm -hmm. i love that ending so much i do all right now number six this one's gonna put my credibility on the line i'm very sorry uh uh it's um i even forget the dude's name the pope's exorcist really oh god you were talking With about Russell Crowe. Yeah. Yes. Uh th- this movie was the most hilarious movie I've ever seen. Uh <laughs> I don't even know if I can count. I like it's half horror and half not. All I know is I was not expecting because I never watched a trailer for it. I saw it pop up on my list of websites that I snatch movies from and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, Russell Crowe uh, a horror movie sweet let's go i did not expect it to be a movie where it's it's russell crowe with the crappiest vatican italian accent doing the funniest jokes talking to a demon while also performing a very serious exorcism and and funny enough i made someone facepalm when i said this if you actually watch the movie which i know for some is a struggle you can actually turn this into a whole MCU universe, but like of the Pope's exorcist, because they actually set it up for like eight different sequels if they wanted. Oh, dude, that is like, I haven't even, I keep forgetting this movie even exists, Raven. And you always just bring it back to my, my mind. And every single time I'm like, I'm going to watch it. I just forget to watch it, dude. Like, it just just sounds like the funniest fucking movie ever. And I just forget to fucking, that it even is real. I and it's a very out of but here's the thing it's it's still you know I'm I'm not lying when I say that this could be the new Constantine universe. <laughs> oh god. Here we All go. All right. Now the next one, the next one. Top 5. <clears throat> Top 5. Evil Dead Rise. Ooh, ooh, whoa. Yeah. The reason why Evil Dead Rise is on my list is because I understand people's beautiful memories of the other Evil Dead movies and stuff, but I do like this movie, and I do like the 2014 remake of Evil Dead, simply because they scare the living crap out of me. There's an element about these movies and that stupid book and how they portray the demon and possessions in this movie that absolutely terrify me. And both of these movies have one defining scene that you won't get out of your head for a while. And when you finally do get out of your head, 
you're glad that you'll never remember it until somebody shows it to you again. And this movie had one and it was the cheese grater going down the leg. And I, oh, I, oh, it hurts. oh, God, dude, it. why would you even say that? I just That's thought the, of that in my brain. Ouch. The first one was the girl licking up the razor blade, splitting her tongue in two. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that I movie actually, unrated? Please tell me that movie's unrated. Yes, the okay. twelve. Tw- yeah, it's unrated. All right, and now number four, because that's all that needs to be said about Evil Dead. Okay, it's 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 really screwed up. Number four is another horror movie, but this one's a bit different as a horror movie. This one, you mentioned him, it has Homelander in it. Oh God! And a Homelander horror movie, Cobweb. Oh. This movie had the biggest plot twist. I mean, other people saw it coming or could see it coming. I had a similar guess to what it was going to be. But the plot twist actually, I wouldn't say it blew my mind, but it wasn't what I was expecting. It was like that movie Malignant, where when it actually happens, you're just like, what? The, The reason why this movie gets so high on my list is I was about 30... 40 minutes into the movie and I had two different ideas about where this plot was going. I was like, Oh, are the parents screwed up or is this kid like the new, you know, Omen movie type of evil kid or like, are the parents evil? And of course the home, the uh, actor for Homelander does a great job at being a complete serious asshole. And when I, I was actually getting bored with the movie, I was ready to turn it off. And then I realized that the whole 40 minutes of trying to bore you is actually intended for the movie because the moment it gets to the big thing, everything it's, it's literally balls to the wall shit going through the fan. And I was just, I was just sit. I didn't actually, I don't even think I blinked for the next 20 minutes. (laughs) Bro's just eyes are just dead. I just remember Yes, my eyes actually hurt after this movie because I don't think I blinked for the last act of this movie because it just, I it just to me it just blew me away. So that's all I have to say about that. That movie released on uh, Barbenheimer. Yes, it did. That's hilarious. Now number three, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes, yes. Martin Scorsese, in my opinion, went out with a bang. He has movies that are either your taste, not your taste. But one thing can be said that this man puts quality and time into his cinematic releases. Okay. I just want to point out something before you continue. The thing about this movie is I knew because this was a movie that you really liked. Well, yeah, really, really, really liked. I knew you were going to put this on your list. So I was like, I will just save it for Raven because he's going to say it about it way he's gonna say so much better things about it like i love this movie but you're just gonna be able to say it so much better than i will about why this movie is is great this movie is great because it 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 truly shows that there are things within our own history that never get talked about or just have been buried in general and that happened to unfortunate groups of people that got taken advantage of simply because they dared to simply live on a land that was filled with oil and the white man came along and decided, Hey, we'll 
dig it up for you. And then other white men got jealous that the natives got rich off of doing absolutely nothing. And they started killing them for their rights for it uh, in very screwed up ways, such as marrying them and then poisoning them or straight up marrying them and then murdering them. Or if the mom did die by quote unquote natural causes, they just went ahead and decided to kill whatever kids they had to get the rights to it. It's a really screwed up movie about a very serious time that happened to the Osage tribe down there in, in the Osage nation of uh, Oklahoma. And I feel it's a movie that everybody should watch simply for historical purposes. No, I 100% agree. Um, and, and, you know, it's one of Scorsese's last films, too. He says he's going to he claims he's going to be making films till he dies. But we both know that's not true. Um, and um, I don't know when's the next Scorsese film is going to come out, but uh, it could very well be one of his last films. So that too, yeah. if you're a Scorsese fan too. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I absolutely, I love that pick. I agree with that so much. hundred percent. Now, number two, number two, woo. I am a screwed up person. Um, I admit that. And number two goes to saw X. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. I, 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 I actually don't like most of the saw movies. I only like one and two, maybe three, if you're really pushing it. But for me, they kind of lost their flavor after the second one. And saw X blew me away because I didn't expect the story to be what it did. Again, never watched a trailer. I think that's what heightened most of my experiences with these. I never watched their trailers unless it's like something big where I know I have to see it like the Godzilla trailers. But uh, for Saw X, I was like, oh, new Saw movie. Okay. And so I pop it in and I'm going to be honest. I enjoyed every moment of those people dying. That's all that has to be said. That is so fucked up. What? What? They deserved it. I mean, yeah. Okay. No. No. I get that. Yeah. That. This is the one movie where they kind the, of deserve. It. Yeah, they deserve it a hundred percent. But at the same time, it's like, oh, you know, he's like he's the antihero. You know, it's like he's an unreliable narrator. You know, because like he 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 does good things for a bad reason. You know, or he does bad things for a good reason. Sorry. And I liked the scene between him and the little boy on the tilt table. I felt like that was, you know, a really good moment in the movie, in my it opinion. it showed Kramer's character more than anything. That he's yeah, not really did. a monster. It makes the viewer even more conflicted because they know this guy in previous movies is doing horrible, screwed up things to people simply because they made mistakes in their life. And now they're watching him show a type of character where they're like, oh, but I don't want to like him. It's conflicting. I kind of like that confliction. No, absolutely. That is a writing style called an unreliable narrator where the narrator does very bad things, but they're also not evil or bad. It, it's it's a writing style that has been around forever in more movies really need to take advantage of this thanos is a perfect example of an unreliable narrator or, or an anti-hero where he's not necessarily really a villain he's trying to do it for a good cause in a little bit in a way and he's not wanting to be the villain but it just leaves mm -hmm. him no choice sort of thing i mean kramer has a choice which was always the argument is you don't have to do this there's other ways to punish these people but 
that's just his way. It, yeah, that's just his way of life. So now I'm going to copy uh, what you did and I'm going to list my honorable mentions before my number one. All right. It does. Okay. And I'm also going to cheat. One of them is a 2022 movie. That's fine. I don't give a fuck. Cause I just discovered it now because if I had discovered it last year, it would have been in my top 10 for last year. Okie dokie. So honorable mentions. One of them you're going to hate me for actually having on this list. Uh, honorable mentions. Kandahar. It's a war movie. Uh, Gerard Butler. Uh, he plays one of those CIA operatives in the land of Afghanistan. And something happens to where his cover is blown along with his translator's cover. And they have to try to flee together. It's actually a really good movie. It kind of mimics uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant just a tiny bit uh, in a different way, though not based on a true story. And they kind they they came out almost at a similar time, which is which is kind of really funny. But I like Gerard Butler's. It's a very serious movie. I liked it. Um, you know, horrors of war type of thing kind of sucks. On next honorable mention is Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. I wanted to put it on this list, but because I love Jake Gyllenhaal, but I just I just couldn't. Uh, uh, Barbie. I enjoyed the hell out of Barbie. I, I really too. did. But there were other movies I saw this year where when I think back to 2023, Barbie is only kind of there for the memes because I'm just Ken. And... I have other movies, though, that make this list to where they're the things that I'll look back to 2023 and define it as. Um, the next one, another Nicolas Cage movie, Sympathy for the Devil. I actually love this movie. Whoa. But there's no room. <laughs> there's no room. There's no room. And I think other people should like it, too, because... It was a really, 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 really great movie. Now, uh, my 2022 movie uh, is the greatest beer run ever. <laughs> what? It's a, it's, it's a movie with Zac Efron. It takes place during the Vietnam War. It's basically about Zac Efron playing a guy who does nothing really with his life. He goes to a bar, comes home drunk to his parents' house, uh, and they want him to try to aspire to be better things, and Vietnam's going on, and everybody has that whole thing of maybe they should serve, maybe they shouldn't. And some, uh, him and his friends and a bartender are sitting there one night, and they're like, hey, you know what? I would like for at least somebody to be able to, you know, to go over there and tell our boys from this town that they're doing a great job, we're thinking of them, and, you know, hand them a beer. And Zac Efron's character's like, there you go. There's my goal in life. I'm going to go do that. And so he basically hops aboard a ship, smuggles himself to Vietnam with an entire big gym bag filled with beer cans. And he goes on delivering them to people who, came, who went and served from his town. <laughs> Dude, what? Yeah, it's actually based on a true story. Uh, uh, of a guy called uh, Chicky Donahue. That's actually hilarious. I've d I've never heard of this movie ever. I don't think. True story. Yeah, and he got away with it because during his uh, original arrivals, 
Um, it was never really said in person. The movie has him know, even though technically in real life, it was never mentioned uh, to him. But the military soldiers went along with him being there because of how he dressed and the way he dressed as your casual tourist. Usually in that time meant you were CIA. So they thought he was CIA when he wasn't. Oh, that's actually that, you know, that's. I that's a crazy plot. I want to watch this now. What the fuck? It I is. Never even I, knew I, it was a movie. It's awesome. Now the last one, and you're going to endure me on this one because I just want to mention it super quick. Uh, it's surrounded by a bunch of idiots on both sides of the aisle when it comes to it. But I'm still going to mention the Sound of Freedom. Oh, I thought you were going to mention the other movie. <laughs> okay, no. go ahead. Go ahead. No. For me, I feel like nobody gives this movie a fair chance simply because either they bought retarded propaganda and they're seeing a bunch that I blame the creators of the movie for this because mm -hmm. they go on the television and they prop it up as something that it's not. No, there's no conspiracies in this movie. There's no mentioning of all the dumb crap that fuels the right wing uh, political arena. And there's nothing that blames any of this movie on Democrats either. Like they try to position themselves and it made, of course, all the other media paint this movie in the weirdest light. This movie should be something people watch because it actually points out a more horrible thing. One child trafficking and two, the lives of the FBI agents who actually have to deal with this crap every day of their lives. If somebody right now gets arrested for, uh, you know, CP, uh, you know, child pornography, there's an FBI agent that has to go through all of their computer files and they have to watch all of the videos and they have to document everything happening to them, to that child. That takes a mental toll on an agent. And this movie kind of just honors the agents who want to do good in the world, but sometimes our federal government or just the government in general says, well, we can't break jurisdiction and we can't go do that. So we're sorry. And, you know, people just want to save kids. I feel like it should still be on everybody's list. Ignore politics about it. Politics aren't even brought up in this movie. So just, just, yeah, that was go so weird it. how they made it a political movie. I couldn't believe it, that. Yeah. I got mad at my own family for that shit. Oh, my family okay. was all on that. Oh, it's such a e good Republican movie. What? What? Yes. Yeah, see, see, I see. Here's the thing. Even though my political views align with some of my family, I got mad at them for what they were doing, because I'm like, there are people out there who could benefit from watching this movie simply because it is based off of a true event. Although the last scene of this movie uh, is a little inspired and not actually something that happened. Uh, but the one thing much kind of like this, um, killers of the flower moon, more natives were killed in killers of the flower moon than the movie stated. And in here for sound of freedom, more kids were actually saved than the movie showed. It's just the operation that they did was so big, which kind of pissed me off that they wasted the last scene on some solid snake type of scenario rather than just what actually happened in that last part. Uh, but I hated my family for doing it because I'm like, you're steering people away from this movie and this studio is steering people away from a movie that they finally produced that was good, all for the sake of uh, election and political propaganda that's not even in the damn movie itself. 
They did it a disservice. They ruined their own works because of it. No, absolutely. I don't understand why people ever try to do that bullshit. All right, Raven. But it's still now number one. I talked too much. I'm sorry. Number one, because that is all my honorable mentions. Number one is no one will save you. I thought you were about to do the biggest curveball when you didn't put in the honorable mentions, Raven. I swear to God. I thought you were going to fucking put Aquaman on. (laughs) You know, here's something funny enough. Aquaman was going to be on there. Okay, okay. Well, let's just save the trouble and we'll talk about that on the Beast Unleashed. Yeah, we'll talk. uh, I'll go on a... I never went on my creator rant, but I'll go go on a rant for Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah, Anyways, no one will save you. This movie... I had no idea that it was like a thing that was coming out and I had no idea that it was, I I don't know. Some people had anticipation for it, but the funny news behind this is um, 21st century Fox was making this movie. It was supposed to be bigger and have a different story. And they already shot a lot of the scenes that have the good CGI in it. And then the writer strike happened and century 21st century Fox was like, well, we're not going to waste our, our money. So they edited it in a way where somehow without the whole story that it was supposed to have that would be completely different, there was still a story that they found there. And I actually liked it. I'm a sucker for alien movies. And to me, No One Will Save You has that very uh, mysterious, um, like the ending will have you wondering what the hell is going on. But if you actually watch it, two or three times you actually start to understand the meaning behind it and how you know screwed up the world can actually be it's just like it's just one of those out there out of nowhere movies that i will always remember 2023 for no i i think that's a i think that's a great you know because that kind of just reflects kind of who you are my i mean both of our lists exactly reflect kind of like our personality so i think no, your list was absolutely perfect. So, Raven, what was your list in order? In order from 1 to 10 or 10 to 1? 10 to 1. Renfield, the Super Mario Bros. movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, The Pope's Exorcist, Evil Dead Rise, Cobweb, Killers of the Flower Moon, Saw X, and No One Will Save You. Perfect. So, yeah, I mean... Both our lists are amazing, and you hit a lot of the movies that I didn't hit because I either knew you were gonna hit them or like I just simply like, you know, you know I liked it, but I didn't put it on the list. I think our lists are perfectly. I think our lists are perfectly sum up exactly what twenty twenty three was. It was fucking crazy. There was a lot of weird shit that happened this year. It was a good year for films, though. It was a great year for films. It was a great year. I'm telling you what, this actually might surprise people because usually films supposedly are getting worse each year. But I think 2024, and I'm going to say this wholeheartedly going into 2024, I think 2024 is going to be a better year for the cinema than 2023 was. And we had Oppenheimer and Barbie on the same day. I know. But I think Mm -hmm. cinema in 2024 is going to be massive. There is so many good movies coming out next year. Our lists at the end of next year are going to be stacked. Oh, my God. Uh, We might have to do a 15. We might have to do a 15. I almost thought about doing a 15, but I was like, no, this just, then it just kind of ruins it, you know, and it ne- I wanted to make it a short episode, so it was kind of special, you know, and, like, it just kind of ruins it a little bit if you do 15. Like, Christmas movies, that's one thing, you know, but, oh, man, dude, I'm so glad Christmas is over, though. 
Mm-hmm. Now we get to move into the greatest year ever. Yeah, 2024, the year of the hog. Wait, no, what is it? The, I have no idea. I don't know what the Chinese, whatever, whatever. I'm going to feast on whatever animal it is. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the BeastCast. Did you enjoy our list? Raven, did you enjoy my list? I did. I enjoyed your list. list. We enjoyed each other's list, which means that your opinions don't matter. All right. So thank you guys for, (laughs) thank you guys for listening. And also our BeastCast, our our Beast Unleashed next week will, uh, or I guess on Friday, because you're listening to this on Wednesday. So our Beast Unleashed this week will be on uh, a few rants, but also I have a special topic that I want to bring since something massive happened while we were away from the whole beast cast. Um, something massive happened that I did and I created. So we're going to focus a little bit on that too. Um, but we're also going to focus on some rants about a new movie that involves a sea man who, um, <laughs> sea man, uh, that involves, uh, Jason Momoa. So, Thank you guys for listening. Raven, anything else you want to say? Have a good, happy new year. Yeah, I hope your new year's was amazing. Have a happy new year. And hope 2024 is going to be your year. This is your year, dude. This is your year. You're going to you're gonna get that guy or girl. You're going to do it. You're going to get them. You're going to get them this year. I believe it. See, yep. all the other years, they were warm up. This is the game. Yeah, this is it. You finally have the van yep. and you have a route. Yep. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, as always, you know, like, follow, share, do all the do all the fun stuff. And we will see you in the new year. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's already the new year. <laughs> all right. Bye, guys. Oh, shit. End it. Ah. Oh!